Lynch. Hey. Don't jump the gun. Uh, it's MLK Day on uh, Inappropriate Earl, and uh, I couldn't find a black guest, so I settled for uh, the next best thing, a, a Jewish guy. So, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he's been back, uh, or he's been on the podcast before. Uh, I was on episode number three. Episode number three, promoting his book, Brain Humor, a great book. A sad story, but with a happy ending and not like the type most of my listeners are used to getting. And uh, we're going to get into his new book that he's got out. And it's been a while. A lot of things happening in the world of rock and roll and comedy. Yeah. So uh, put your hands together for the the legend of Matty Goldberg. Thank you. Thank you to all the uh, Earl podcast listeners. It's great to be back. Well, uh, you're a good dude. Thank so, you. I appreciate uh, it's it. It's always an honor to have you back. I'm and, uh, you know, get into it on MLK Day. I'm excited. And you got the Kamala book here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's uh, every day I have the Kamala book because he, uh, well, he needed the money. He needed the 20 bucks. Uh, I need the 20 bucks, too, with my book. Well, what is your new book? It's called No IQ, and it's a book of more funny essays. And I sell for 12. Where? Uh, MattyGoldberg.com or Amazon has it. And if you buy it on my website on mattygoldberg.com, I will sign it and send it out to you just like Brain Humor, the first one. And uh, yeah, that's one thing me and Kamala have in common. We both have books. Yeah, but you're undercutting Kamala by $8. True. The guy has no fucking legs. So when I was in high school, like we would go in a class and we would talk about wrestling, you know? And remember when the whole You Are a Man thing came out? Uh, refresh my memory. I'm getting. I'm 48 now, so I don't okay. remember. So the Reverend Slick wanted to let Kamala know that he's a man. You know that he's not. He shouldn't be treated bad. And he was. He would just say, "You are a man," and the whole crowd would chant when he would wrestle because the other guys were like, you know, WWF was a little behind the whole race thing. You know, they had the one guy with the mask on, like poking at him and stuff. Well, they still are behind the race. Yeah. Stuff. So the whole the crowd would chant, "You are a man. You are a man." So when I was in high school and uh, at a lunch, I would I would get everybody to chant, "You are a man." Well, I mean, uh, you were ahead of the racial curve, uh, yeah. I guess. I don't know why I was doing that. I would just I just we just thought it was funny. Well, I don't think at that time we were in our early teens. Yeah, uh, we didn't really realize the racial uh, stupidity of uh pro wrestling i mean it's it's really mind-boggling when you it, think about some of the racial characters that they have uh you yeah know, i mean you can you can watch interviews with, with greg the hammer valentine call tito santana quote unquote a wetback just like i'm gonna get that greasy wetback and you're just like whoa well we had to cut uh an interview with greg the hammer uh uh short once on uh Piper's podcast because I asked him, you know, kiddingly what uh, he thought of the Billy and Chuck gay wedding angle. And uh, let's just say uh, the hammer has some uh, interesting views on uh, homosexual uh, unions. Yeah. And so. Jimmy Snuka just died too. Yeah. Jimmy Snuka died uh, yesterday of stomach cancer, 73 years old. That's wow. a, one way to get off of a murder conviction. Yeah, I heard about that. That's crazy. I was a fan of his when I was a kid. Like, the coolest thing was watching him jump off that top rope 
Like that was like the most exciting thing. Well, yeah, you wonder why uh, you know him and Benoit pretty much had the same maneuver. You know, yeah, the, basically the flying headbutt, and uh, but they both killed people. So there you go. Yeah, not you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. He got off all these years. Well, uh, the world of uh, wrestling in the uh, 80s, uh, I think he killed a girl in a hotel room or the girl was found dead in a hotel mm. room and he was like the only guy <laughs> around. Uh, but I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, someone pulled some strings for the WWE because he was a big star at that time. Yeah, I mean, nobody knew about it at the time. I mean, we live in a time with Twitter and, and the news and everything like that would come out in a second. He would have been done in like a second, but nobody knew about it. I didn't know about it. Yeah, I was too young, but yeah, yeah. I mean, back then there was no TMZ, there was no uh, radar online, or you know, page six, uh, you know, with tons of paparazzi floating around. I mean, uh, thank God for some of those '80s celebrities. I know they got off scot free. Now, what your book is a series of essays. Like, what are they about? Okay, so No IQ is the name of my punk band in high school in the eighties. I love, I, I really am proud of my, the first book I wrote called brain humor, which is about my stand up journey. And of course ends with the death of the great Angelo Bowers, which I'm, I'm sure how many shows did you do with him? Hundreds and sorry about that. Uh, I did a lot of shows with Angelo. Uh, yeah. I don't know if about hundreds, I'd definitely say at least 50. Sure. Yeah. So I just wanted to do something more humorous this time. So they're more like, there's an essay about like being in battle of the bands in high school and being in a punk band. Uh, there's an essay about what else, what else can I say? Oh, I was in the hospital and somebody brought a porn mag at like two in the afternoon. Like a friend of mine visited me and just brought a hardcore porn magazine. It was like reading it in broad daylight while visiting me. That was like his excitement of going to New York city. So I wanted to be more humorous and stuff like that. Uh, there's one about the 1986 Red Sox. My dad was a big Red Sox fan and the ball going through Buckner's legs. Um, so they're more like just like personal essays that I thought would people would enjoy. Most people are enjoying the, the No IQ Battle of the Bands essay because most people were in bands back in the day and they experienced like the Battle of the Bands and how important that was in their life. Poor Bill Buckner. I mean, that is yeah. what, uh, tw- 30 years ago. 30 years ago and uh people are still talking about it and you know exactly uh i mean i was a young kid i was 10 so that was the first time i ever saw my uh, my dad cry like he literally cried like a baby all night so i want to just like give people a feeling of that night of like what he went through and what you know most people in the new england area went through uh is bill buckner uh is he kind of like Scott Norwood of the Bills? Just uh, not hated anymore. Just I think he's been forgiven. What happened? It's the same thing happened with uh, the kid in uh, Chicago. What's his name? Uh, Bartman. Yeah, the guy who uh, messed up the World Series. Yeah. So Bartman. Now that the Cubs have won the World Series, everybody's like, "We forgive you" and all this stuff. But like at the same time, it wasn't Buckner's fault and it wasn't Bartman's fault. It's just like you know, scapegoat. But what happens is if Scott Norwood, will, unfortunately, is still on the on the hook because the Bills have not won the Super Bowl. But if they do, he'll get off the hook. That's the way it works, unfortunately. 
But, you know, that it's not like that field goal he missed barely was uh, a gimme. It was a 47-yarder, you know. That's a that's a big – that's a long field goal. It's not like it was a 15-yarder no. he missed it. Absolutely. Uh, it's not a choke. I mean, I don't think he's ever kicked a, a field goal that long in, on grass. So it's like it was something that he probably was like 40% he could do. So it was, uh, you know – they like to blame it on one person. Now, how's the comedy been going lately? It's been a hot minute since I've seen you. Yeah, comedy, you know, I don't do as many shows as I used to. I'm more into writing. Like, I just love the writing process, but I really miss doing stand-up all the time. I just, it, it it's gotten a little taxing on me and on my body and emotionally and, like, never feeling like you're going to take that next step. So it's like... You're just out there and you're grinding and I just need like a break and I, I kind of enjoy writing more. I, I, I don't know why. I just like enjoy writing. I felt like I got a lot out of the first book I did, Brain Humor, and I was like, I want to write something new. So I miss stand-up though. I mean, I still do it, but I don't, you know, like there's a time when comics are out every night like grinding and grinding and I'm not that guy anymore. Well, I think when you get older, it's just like, you know. I mean, I'm 48. I don't want to be out there fucking at norms at four in the morning. Yeah. I mean, when I was in my 20s, and you can probably vouch for this, uh, like I was in my late 20s, like comedy was everything and every spot meant something. Like I would hang out at a comedy club till four in the morning because they had like prom shows. And I would go, I'd go up on stage at three thirty in the morning for five minutes for like six kids that were sleeping, you know, just to get that spot in, you know. And it, it comes a time where like you just not, you just don't have that in you anymore. It's like that that grind is is lost, and it sucks, but it's part of life, you know. Well, yeah, it's like last night I had a spot at the comedy store, and there's some drunk slob. Uh, you know uh interrupting me the whole time yeah you know trying to like be part of the show and uh, of course she came up to me afterwards and it's like hey we were great right and I'm like, oh no, yeah yeah i was <laughs> yeah they love to act like they're helping you like i helped you and you were i mean i've had some of the worst hecklers tell me that i was hysterical afterwards and they're just having fun and then they apologize for like a good 30 minutes afterwards and you're just like dude like you you fucking ruined like my night, you know? Well, like last night was great because everyone got uh, to the comedy store patio to watch the the new episode of Roast Battle. So everyone's in a great mood. I'm in a great mood. And then this, uh, you know, lady uh, took me down a notch. Just, yeah, uh, I mean, it's comedy is, a, is, is, is a, every night something different can happen. Yeah, you never know. Absolutely. How long have you been doing stand-up? I've been doing it since 14, 15 years, I would say. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm about at the same. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's no joke. Yeah, I mean, I started in New York, and that was, like, a, a probably a good place to start because it's so darn competitive, and you also see, like, the best comics. Like, you're competing against guys that are just so goddamn good. And then you really see how good you are. Like when you go on a show with like, uh, do you ever hear of Ted Alexandro? Never heard of him, but he's um, probably never heard of me. So we're the, all good. Uh, I mean, I've been on shows with Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burr. And then you realize like your jokes ain't that fucking funny. 
You know, like yeah. you have a long way to go. Cause like you'll do a show and you'll crush and then you'll get on a show with some like heavyweights and those jokes aren't as good as you thought they were. Oh and, yeah. I mean, and, and that's the beauty of it. Cause you, you, then you're going to work harder to like, how can I get on a show with those guys and just hold my own? Well, it's going to be hard to get on a show with Patrice O'Neill, but yes. uh, that's, uh, I used to love watching him. He would do crazy ass shit. He would walk people on purpose. Well, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. I and like he, that. And he would tell people to get the fuck out of the room too. As they were leaving, he'd go, get the fuck out. And you're like, who the, like, who's ballsy enough to do that? Yeah, yeah. It's too bad he's not around for roast battle. He would have been a, a real natural. When I saw him on the roast, he right before he died, he was on a roast with, I think it was Charlie Sheen's roast. Right. Uh, he was. He didn't even practice. He didn't rehearse, and and he didn't even like have anything written. He was he was still hysterical. He said something to Steve-O about like nobody cares about you being in rehab. Like get back on drugs, and you know we just wanted to see you do stupid shit. And I was like, yeah, he, he he's good. I had the privilege of uh, bringing Steve-O up last Monday at the Comedy Store. Did he crush it? He did well. He, I'll be honest with you. He did very well, and I was more impressed that he didn't run the light. He yeah. literally he looked over, he saw the light come on, and he was like, that's my time. And he was So he's serious about doing it. Some of these guys that like get into comedy, I don't know how serious they are about like really respecting like the craft, the light, the time, you know, like bump, like they have the right to bump people, but like, are they going to be a dick about it? You know? No, he was very, uh, very, very impressed, uh, with how he was respectful of the comics. And, uh, you know, I don't know how serious he is about being a full-time comic. But, yeah. Uh, you know, when you're as famous as he is, you don't really have to be that serious. You can, probably play theaters and sure i mean other than two is he has the name already you know and it's probably easier than jumping off buildings where he used to do or stapling his nutsack yeah drinking uh i think he one episode he drank horse semen or something nice uh but he's a millionaire i i personally don't need the money that bad no well you're you're awesome i mean i'm a big fan well uh you know i'm trying I love performing with you. I wish I wish we performed more often. I know. I, I think the last gig we did was at Cantor's. That uh, yeah, that was great. Oh no, you know what we did we did Ponchos in Manhattan Beach, which is a great Monday night. Oh, gig. it's a great show. If you yeah. guys are uh, you locals in LA? If you're ever around uh, Manhattan Beach area, Ponchos. It's a not Italian Hispanic restaurant. I heard the Kings just run amok in that town. Oh yeah, the I hear the uh, coach uh, Daryl Sutter goes to Poncho's uh, on Monday nights. I've really? yet to see him there. He he's gonna see a little comedy. But uh, but yeah, the Cantor show was great too. The can I don't know the Kibitz room. I don't yeah. know. Uh, if is that done? Are. I don't know. I uh, I think it is. That's too bad. That was a that was always packed. That was kind of neat to uh, do a show where Guns and Roses used to you know hang out and. You yeah, know. I mean, there's so much. I'm from New York, but there's so much history in LA, and I, I love all the history of the music and stuff and everything. And like, I'm always like, I'm with my girlfriend here, Paige. She doesn't. Paige, say hello, just so people know. Hi, I'm here. Real. Yeah, she doesn't know any of the references that like I talk about. Like Eddie Nash means nothing to her. It's... I sh I showed her decline of Western civilization too, the other day, and she didn't like it. Didn't nothing registered well uh you know it's uh an era that uh 
it's hard to explain to people if you weren't there. It yeah. probably seems silly to someone who's 25 to talk about, you know, rat and poison and yeah you know, uh, that era of not just music but movies and well even the clothes and stuff uh i don't think she uh, i i it's it's to somebody that didn't grow up with it like when i was in high school like we thought like the guys in molly crew were like cool as hell you know like the leather and everything and now it's like if you see that you would think it's like a, a joke like you know well, yeah, I mean, now, uh, well, 80s is uh, making a bit of a comeback fashion-wise. Uh, yeah, I think know. that show Stranger Things helped a lot, too, because, did you have you seen Stranger Things? I have not. I am, uh, the, the shows that I am currently watching are, uh, let me see, A Blacklist, Love James Spader, who's a like king of the 80s. Yeah. Uh, let me see, uh, the, uh, the show about the girl with the tattoos, Blind Spot. I haven't seen that. It's all right. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I don't really watch a lot of Netflix. I have it. I just don't. Uh, yeah. No, I hear you. I watch documentaries. But I'm a big 80s guy. Love oh, yeah. the 80s. I, I, I wish I could go back. I like the malls. Oh, my God. The uh, Tale of the Pup. Uh, the Orange Julius stands. Yeah, I mean, you'll never, uh, you know, it's just... I remember when the Beverly Center was built, and uh, just and that was exciting. Well, before it was a vacant field. Yeah. Now it's like the number one shopping mall in the world. I think not the biggest, but it's. I think it's the most popular. Yeah, and you live like what five minutes away? I live about five minutes away. Uh, I'm scared to go there sometimes because I think, wow, this is a great place for the terrorists to hit. Uh, yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I. Well, I hate know, to think like that, but like. There's no security. All it would take is four truck bombs. and just, But that could be anywhere. But, I mean, at Beverly Center, I think, would make a hell of an impact. Yeah. You know, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to give anybody ideas either. Yeah, if you're a member of uh, ISIS or uh, Al-Qaeda, I, I don't yeah. uh, condone. And, and Fast Times in Richmond High was, was filmed in Sherman Oaks and that mall. I, I think it was filmed. I think Valley Girl was filmed at the Galleria. Okay. And I think Fast Times was fi actually filmed at Santa Monica Place. Okay, that's a mall in Santa that's Monica. That's a mall, mall um, like right by the promenade, uh, Third Street Promenade. Okay, because when I watch these movies, I look up all the locations, and like that pizza place is still around. Yeah, and um, I'm like, that look, it, it looked disgusting. I'm like, who the fuck would eat there? But <laughs> I mean, and I think the uh, West Side Pavilion, which is a mall in Westwood, was uh, I think the Tom Petty video, Free Falling. Free Falling, great video, was uh, filmed there. So I haven't been to that mall in years. Yeah. And then now you got the Century City Mall. It's outdoors and it, it's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, the 80s were something else, though. The 80s were the decade of the mall. And I was really into punk rock, too, which I talk about in the book. And that is dead. Like, there's. Uh, Why do you think that is? It's just like the hippie movement. It's like there's movements that last for like four, five, six years in their prime, and then people move on, and then there's a few people left just kind of hanging on to the past. But I think that the whole like phenomenon is just kind of dead. Well, uh, what bands are still around from punk? Cause I don't necessarily uh, listen to a lot of punk. Um, well you have the new pop punk bands that I don't really like, but then like from like that, who? like the blank one eighty twos. I don't even know if they're considered punk, maybe green day. 
And then you have like the bands like Circle Jerks. I know the singer is in a band called Off now, but he's just he's just hanging on by a string, you know. Uh, there's not a lot of bands left, to be honest. They kind of go on these reunion tours and just try to make a few bucks, which they deserve. Well, that's probably like uh, almost as bad as 80s metal. Uh, oh, yeah. I know so much, Earl. I was listening to Bobby Blotzer on... Uh, What's that guy's show? He's the guy. Eddie with, Trunk. Yeah. And he was, that was a great conversation because he was, I kind of felt for, I know you're not a Bobby guy. Well, he wouldn't do my podcast. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't he do your podcast? Uh, he said, because I had Stephen Piercy on. Oh, they uh, hate each other that much. They hate each other. And then he said that I made fun of him or something. Which, well, everybody gets made fun of. Well, I'm a comic. I'm supposed yeah. to like, you know, make fun of people. And but, I, th I think the only thing I said was to Stephen, uh, how important is the drummer, really? <laughs> and he laughed. Any well, yeah, but it's true, though. The yeah. drummer, unless the band's name is Rush, yeah, uh, you know, I, look, you know, it's, it's I will, I don't want to get Bobby Blotzer all worked up if he does listen, but there's tw at that time, probably in LA, there was probably 30 guys that could have done what Bobby Blotzer did in LA well, for Rat. I mean, yeah, uh, but I will say this I think Bobby Blotzer's. The best drummer for rap, absolutely. Uh, but he is replaceable. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Rat is uh, the guitar tone of D Martini, uh, the 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 king, the vocals of, of Stephen uh, Piercy, Stephen Piercy, and you know the the backing vocals of Juan Crochet. You know, the drummer is like the guy yeah. they have drumming now is. I don't think anyone's like that's not Bobby Blotzer. So now, is there two rats going? Yeah, because doesn't Bobby own the name? Well, no, I guess apparently uh, Juan Crochet sued, and he somehow he owns the name or the rights of the band. Yeah. And so now he, Martini, Piercy, Carlos Cavazzo from Quiet yep. Riot, uh -huh. and uh, the drummer Greg, uh, I'm not getting his last name, uh, they're going to tour, they can tour now as Rat. Interesting. And Bobby Blotzer can't. And Bobby's probably pissed off because he, on that Eddie Trunk interview, he was like, this is my last four or five years of payday of my life. So he must be just furious. Well, he's going to go back to, uh, I think he had a carpet cleaning business. Oh, brother. Can you imagine you're selling out, making millions of dollars, selling millions of records, and then, you know. He had it. You they all it. had it for 10 years. Well, at least Piercy is smart. He's got his own record label. He, yeah. You know, he releases, uh, you know, his solo CDs. and I read his book. I enjoyed it. I loved how he, uh, I can relate to this. Did they ever make the Stephen Piercy movie? There was the Jewish neighbor who complained about the noise. And then he, like, instead of fighting with him, he, like, hires him and, like, brings him in. And then he becomes, like, an assistant. And he actually became his guitar player. Really? In the solo band. No shit. <laughs> Eric uh, Fiorentino, uh, of course. Because uh, he was like, there's a nerdy guy that he's like, my mom is complaining about the noise. So instead of like, you know, fighting with him, I brought him in. I got him laid. And I was like, whoa, Stephen Pierce, he's the man. He's coming back this week, uh, uh, you know, to discuss the latest in the rat world. Paige, what do you think of Stephen Piercy? Coming. No condom. Yeah, well, she doesn't uh, get any of this stuff that I I'll play her stuff. She's like, what the fuck? 
Like, well, because there's an age difference between yeah. you guys, right? What you are, what is it again? Fifteen. Fifteen years age difference. Yeah. yeah. I I just got out of a relationship that it was uh, twenty seven years. See, I don't feel so bad. So I'm. Uh, yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, you know. Great. Well, we got along. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't uh, creepy. I mean, it's we only. We connect. Paige and I connect really well. It's just, uh, you know, there's there's certain times that I'm like, there's this movie that I love. And she's like, my dad loves it. Right. So she's like, oh, my dad loves it. Everything I like, my dad likes. So like Fast Times at Ridgemont High is like your dad's favorite movie. Yeah. I mean. And that- she never saw it. She's like, I was supposed to watch it with my dad. Well, maybe the the now has the dad met you? Yeah, he's awesome, and he's, he's a, not. Uh, he's a character, but he's not a uh, little uh, creeped out by the age difference. No, he uh, he's just a really interesting guy. Like he just brings out a guitar and just starts singing. Like he'll just start singing John Cougar Mellencamp, "Ain't That America," like at dinner. Like, well, I went to a few of her family dinners, and she has a large Italian family. And he'll just sit in the corner with a guitar and a microphone and just start blasting out, like, songs. Well, sounds cool. I yeah, mean, he's a good guy. You know, I think... Uh, the, the mother's cool, too, right? Yeah. yeah. She's accepted it. Yeah, I mean, you know, as long as they know you're not a fucking creep, I no. think uh, they're cool with it. I mean, uh, in my situation, the, the mom loved me. Yeah, so. I mean, we connect well, and that's... You know, I mean, I was closer in age with the mom than I was. Uh, yeah, but, and that's uh, that's something new for too, because most of my friends are older. So it's like we went. My sister, my little sister, just got married, and we were like, you know, talking about like, you know, bands and shit. Like, Gore, did you go see Gore back in the day in this band? And she like has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's a different era, that's for sure. Yeah. I but, think someone from Gore just died, actually. Uh, the singer died about a year and a half ago from heroin. And well, that's another thing I should bring up, bro. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no. We're just a free my My other best friend, Kevin, died of heroin in October. He, we grew up, we, he was a comedian for a little while, and then he quit comedy. So I wrote an essay about him, and he was probably, like, with Angelo, like, A and B best friends. And that's another thing I had to write about because it was fresh and it's been, it's been, uh, pretty hard, but you know, how many essays are in the book? There's uh, 10 essays. And do they each cover just a completely different subject? Yeah. Or? One is about what maybe you can relate to two is, uh, when we were kids to, for playboys, we used to all like go in the woods and take her dicks out and jerk off together. I can't say I did that. <laughs> I, I don't think I can relate to that, to be honest. So, with you. But you live more in an urban area though, right? I mean, I would say Bel Air was an urban area. You didn't have like a, a stash when you were a kid? Uh, not really. Uh, I, uh, I discovered that stuff later on in life. Okay. So when we were like, there's asking when I was like 13 or 14, there was a spot in the woods with like a bag with like playboys and it was the spot. And then all the kids would go there and that's where we'd look at our porn and just how times change, you know? Well, yeah, I would say now you could just go, uh, you know, with uh, the, the internet. internet and, yeah. Uh, what is it? Red porn or red tube, red or, tube and all that stuff. And, uh, you porn and yeah. red tube. Uh, I mean, you can look at porn now on your phone. 
Exactly. And I mean, it was a different time where like, I know I'm sounding like an old man, but like we would have to go out like, you know, we'd all like go out and just like go in the woods and like look at these magazines. And like, so how many dudes, this sounds like a circle jerk. Like how many dudes? Uh... <laughs> there was sometimes like five or six. And then I stole one and there was the older kid, they, my friend's brother, it was like 17 or 18. And he kind of like ran that he was like the moderator of the magazines and he knew one was missing and he was just like, it better be back in the bag by tomorrow or else you're dead. So I put it back in the bag. But, but like, but I mean, like, did anyone ever want to touch another guy's no, dick? No, that never happened. <laughs> I it's imagine, a great, well, how many guys are in this circle? There's about six guys at, at a time. So it's six a great guys question. jacking off and not one guy's like, God, Bill's got a big dick. I wonder what. You know what? what? The- it was sometimes a little <laughs> weird. Another, I wonder what that would feel like in my ass. Another thing <laughs> weird was there was, a, there was a magazine shop and a kid was like really good at stealing stuff. And he would steal a magazine and then he, he would be like, he was really bad. Like, you know, how, like you act when you steal and he'd go like, oh, my mom, I got to go home for dinner. And then we'd all follow him into the woods and we all like just start looking at the magazine together. But no, no, I, I'm going to go on record for there was no homosexual activity. Not well, that listen, there's a problem that, about that, but. There wouldn't be a problem if there was. No. When in Rome, and sounds like those woods were Rome. Yeah, I never was touched, and I never saw anybody being touched. But that is an excellent, you know, question because it is a little weird now that I think of it. No, it's not a little weird. It's fucking incredibly weird. Uh, but that's what we would do. I mean, you're lucky. I mean, I don't know if you had a stash in your like hidden under your bed or something. Um, I mean, I mean, I think uh, I might have. Seen, but you know, I used to jack off to uh, like VHS porn tapes, which I preferred. Sure, because uh, now it's like Blu-ray, high-def, 3D, plasma screens. And yeah, the guy's balls look like the moon. And yeah, I would stay home for like Friday nights when I was like in high school to watch like the the Skinamax movies, like those the softcore. Once they were always usually like bad subtitles and stuff like that. I like uh, porn with really good acting, but that's just uh, me. That's hard to find. It really is. That's hard to find. Sometimes, like a guy with a tattoo, like the tribal tats, I gotta like, I can't, I can't check off to that. Well, yeah, that's why I can't watch porn uh, now. It's like you know, the guys' dicks are like the size of baseball bats. They really are. And like, I mean, I got a pretty big dick and yeah. it's like, uh, like I, I can't be with a girl and she's going to look at the TV and I have a 75 inch uh, sc- high def screen. Yeah. I mean, a porn dick on this thing looks like oh my uh, God. the transport system for the space shuttle and Moonraker, uh, you know, so I'm good. You know, it's like if the girl's not pleased with me, she's got to hit the bricks. Yeah. Uh, Cause uh, just, I mean, I can't imagine what watching porn is going to be like in twenty years. I think it'll be virtual. Well, it are they already have like virtual uh, porn, and I think they have sex robots in the UK where you you don't even need uh, the other sex. Like you know, and I'm a firm believer that porn is very very important in our society. Well, like, as long I'm, as you don't have a daughter. Well, I mean, uh, I'm just saying, like for a lot of men, like 
it's you know they have to get their shit out somehow they might as well it's better than doing something awful to somebody you know by the way i hate to interrupt with breaking news but uh as i was putting your picture on twitter uh, Uh the wwe has announced that uh kurt angle will be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year with Diamond Dallas Page and the late great Rick Rude. So, well, I love Rick Rude. I know you love him. Uh, for you uh, wrestling freaks out there, it's a good uh, induction class. So. Yeah, I uh, Kurt Angle. He has like problems with WWE though, right? Like he always. Well, he wanted to reduce schedule because he's like yeah, got, he's had like broken necks and shit. Sure, and they're, like trying to wheel him out there to you know wrestle again and it's just like jesus christ man. yeah it's the 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 world of wrestling is like the most awful schedule those guys go through like it's it's terrible like i watched a scott what's the guy razor ramon scott I, hall yeah i i watched a little like piece on him and how like every night they're just like sitting in a hotel room like wanting to die in pain knowing that they have to work the next 80 days you know straight and it's just like to get through it. It's like do what you got to do. Yeah, I mean those guys. Uh, you know, and you know he's an Olympic wrestler. Like he's legit. So yeah, his body was already beat up before wrestling. Sure, because uh, he was doing real wrestling. Yep. So uh, and DDP is a Jew. Yeah, uh, I don't know, I don't know what is. Uh, no, he's Jewish. Well, he's making money now. He better. And uh, he's uh, he lives in North Carolina. I know all this because my little sister just moved there, and her uh, f- husband's sister is a spray tanner. And Diamond Dallas Page has endorsed her spray tan business. Oh uh, well, small I mean, world. Uh, spray tans. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think the tan look is good. Uh, no, nah, it's out now that Trump is in office. Oh, Trump, he's out of control. I mean, yeah, he's uh, a nut job. He, uh, I think he met with uh, MLK, uh, Martin Luther King's kid today, and uh, probably thought it was Porterhouse from Caddyshack. Yeah. Uh, he also met with James, uh, wasn't no Steve Harvey, which is good enough for Martin Luther King Day for him. Well, he probably uh, wrote it down on the books as he wanted to meet Steve Garvey, <laughs> the old uh, first baseman for the Dodgers. I do remember Steve. Steve, Har- Steve Garvey's another interesting fella. Because from what I hear, he was the most straight guy. And then he ended up having like four girlfriends at one time. Well, he was a good looking guy. He was, he was probably at one point the best first baseman in the league. I mean, the opportunities, uh, I'm sure, were amazing for him. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you got to feel for a guy like that, though, because, you know, he made decent money, but. Yeah, he didn't hit the big time with all the contracts now. If he would have played in this era, he'd be a $30 million a year player. Yeah, he would have. So you got to just, I mean, I'm sure he made in his career maybe six, seven million. Yeah, and I'm sure like all the other athletes, they do those autograph sessions. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. When you see him at like a Comic Con. Yeah, well, that was the funniest thing. I I don't know. I know you're an OJ guy. Well, not really. I mean, yeah, but you love goofing on him. But the best part of that OJ documentary was the last part because it was when he kind of went off the rails and he would just show up to an autograph show and just sign until they threw him out. Like he would just take it over and just show up. Well, yeah, it's uh, like, uh, who who was it? Pete Rose. Like, Yeah, he does that too. He would literally set up shop at in like a hallway at the forum shops in Caesar's Palace in Vegas and just, you know, 
But now you got Johnny Manziel. Uh, I think this weekend he was uh, charging yeah. fifty dollars for a selfie, yeah, hundred for a picture. He's he's like headed for like the end. I don't yeah. see him living another ten years. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, once he burns through his contract money, yeah, what's he gonna do for a living? I don't know. I don't know how long he can sell stuff for fifty bucks too. He's got about two or three years of that left. And then he's useless. Yeah. I mean, That's how it goes in this world. And he seems like the type of guy who has a lot of hanger-ons. Yeah. You know, loser friends who milking him for the cash. So. Like, I don't think he could ever get back into football, can he? I mean, uh, you know, this ain't college, you know. he's Yeah. Those uh, shuck and jive moves that worked, Yeah. you know, in college. You're not going to fool Ryan Chasey or the Steelers no. or, no. you know, uh what did you think about, you heard about the whole thing that was leaked. Well, it wasn't leaked, but Antonio Brown put that thing up last night. Well, I think it was the coach. He it's, put it up? No, well, the coach didn't put it up, but uh, I guess uh, for those of you wondering what we're talking about, Mike Tomlin called the Patriots assholes yeah. and uh, said something to the effect that every time they play in New England, he gets the, the sports talk show in his ear. Yeah, his, uh, sure. So he was basically saying that the... Patriots or, or fuck cheaters. with the headsets and yeah. somewhat uh, throwing it out there that uh, you got some killer Steelers memorabilia here. Well, I'm a you know big Steeler fan, of course, and yeah. uh, you know my my dad was friends with Art Rooney, the Art Rooney, the uh, original, the original, the guy with the white hair. Mm. So, because uh, a lot of people are like, how did you grow up a Steeler fan in Los Angeles? So. Uh, and I stayed a Steeler fan. Uh, I was a Steeler fan in the 80s when... Uh, they weren't very good. You're, you're talking their quarterbacks were Bubby Brister and Mark Malone. Yeah, those are and, some rough uh, years. David Woodley, uh, Neil O'Donnell. He, and Neil O'Donnell got him a little bit uh, back in the game, but uh, those are, 80s Steeler teams were brutal. Like Yeah, because uh, the 70s were so good. Who was it? Louis Lips. That was their best receiver. Uh, I think Walter Abercrombie. Well, they had the white guy too, Merrill Hodge. Yeah, he was like, uh, he was decent. He was like their poor man's Rocky Blyer. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a rough, uh, I mean, Yancey Thigpen was like one of their best receivers. Yeah, I remember they lost to the Super Bowl to the Cowboys. Uh, O'Donnell just fucking threw the ball to the other team like three times, like. Three well, of the he, worst passes I've ever seen. He threw two interceptions. The first one was probably his fault, but uh, the second one, uh, I think the receiver ran the wrong route. It might have been Yancey Thigpen. Yeah, because it was so like. But he, he never gets blame. blamed. Like yeah. O'Donnell gets the hundred yeah. percent of the blame. It's like yeah, that's what happens. It's like the Buckner thing. There's a lot of the reasons, things that led up to that. Are you going to care about the chart? Like, I feel like the chargers coming here is just so they can move to that nice new stadium. And then people who live all over the country, like Pittsburgh, it's like, Hey, come to LA for three days. You get a ticket, you get a hotel room, you get to hang out in LA in the freezing cold. Like yeah. when it's, I think that's all that the chargers are about is like getting people to come as tourists to LA. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Well, I don't know how they're going to play in a 27,000 seat stadium for two years. I mean, that's like, yeah, it's a joke. I feel so small. bad for them. 
it's just uh, it's not even like caring about them winning or any of their facilities or anything like that. But they'll probably sell out. I mean, if you only have to move, but I don't know how they're gonna lose money. I would think. Yeah. Like, well, I think it's all gonna be road. Like, like when the Raiders play them, it's gonna be like twenty thousand Raider fans. And that's a a kind of a, a Hispanic neighborhood where they're playing. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, really, the last thing you want. Those Raider games, I'm gonna watch those on TV. Fuck that. Well, I heard, I heard they had to move the Raiders out of LA just because it got so crazy. Yeah, they were at the Coliseum. Uh, yeah, and you know, there's no, there's really no parking at the Coliseum. So. Oh yeah, I saw a hundred dollar a sign for a hundred dollar parking during the Rams. Well, yeah. So the problem is, if you can't get into the, I think there's that one parking lot that probably fits maybe, uh, I don't know couple hundred cars but you know when you're talking an nfl game that's fucking you know probably ten thousand cars yeah it's gonna be a mess so you would have to park on people's lawns yeah like shake you down green bay they do that but i i'm sure the people of green yeah, bay well, are, uh, are nice green like bay is a different ball game than uh, normandy and hoover <laughs> so you yeah. literally have to pay the guy like 40 50 bucks and even then it's like you know who yeah. knows I'm sure Green Bay they'll let you park uh, for free and then make you food yeah you probably go in and use a bathroom if you want yeah. so uh, but we'll see I mean it's weird that we went from two uh, a football less town and now we have two football teams yeah so, uh, I mean two shitty football teams yeah two of the worst I mean uh, Philip Rivers is uh, quarterback of the LA Chargers he has eight kids all by the same wife and he doesn't curse no twins so he doesn't curse either well he he might after he sees the parking lot i don't understand how you can have sex and not like ever curse because like when you're having sex you're doing like dirty shit like how do you not like just have curse thoughts in your mind Oh, well, I mean, uh, was he Mormon? I don't know a lot about him. I think he's like a born-again Christian, but he does not curse. Like, there are people have been like, no, never curses. I can only imagine what he hears in an NFL game. You know, all the shit talking that goes on. Uh, I know. What was it? Uh, even yesterday in the Steeler game that... that you can one, hear it mic'd. Well, no, there's that one... Uh, Tight end on the the Chiefs, Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah, he uh, just decks some guy. Yeah, Cockrell. But you could tell Cockrell like said something to him and then just stood there waiting for him to get hit. Paige's dad is a huge Chiefs fan, just uh, like randomly. And he, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, it's all. I mean, you know, it was close. Yeah, but he's used to it. He <laughs> he's like a negative. They always are gonna blow it. Well, I mean, they got a little screwed with the holding call. Yeah, that was a borderline. Uh, although it was kind of It holding. was holding, but you could have let uh, it go. But I've seen worse. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, but I guess it was holding. Um, there's, a, there's, uh, there's also a lot of things I don't know. I got in a fight. Maybe you can help me with this. I got in a fight with this girl over the, the uh, holidays about Ronda Rousey. About what? She claims to think that they're still going to make that Roadhouse movie. And oh, there's, no. there's no fucking way that they're going to ever get, make a fucking Roadhouse movie with her in it. No, no. Like, I she mean, is done. Yeah, I mean, you can't, uh, you know, she uh, the mystique is gone. It was gone as soon as she lost the first fight, really. Uh, and... Uh, but she's made her money. She made $3 million in that fight. Yeah, she... To, uh, I, uh, against I, Nunes. 
I was uh, like, I don't know much about UFC. I don't really watch it, but I'm kind of, you know. I love it. I'm curious about her just because I find her to be like heading to Johnny football territory. Well, uh, you know, it's it's tough because uh, she really probably shouldn't fight again. No, she Um, shouldn't. Although Floyd Mayweather uh, today actually offered to help train her box, which I thought was pretty funny because he does know how to beat up a woman. Well, he also, she went after him. That's kind of funny because she went after him like with the whole like, you know, because he was the domestic abuse stuff. And now he's like, he's putting on her because he's like, you're down and I'm going to like, you know, try to show you a little mercy. But he's really trying to show her up by doing that. But he needs someone like her. I don't think, or she needs, I don't think he, I don't think she's going to fight again. No, it's, uh, the game's too evolved now. Yeah. Well, you gotta be like in it. Like I, I felt like it was bad of her to do this fight and not have no, she had no chance to win. Like she didn't really care or anything. Well, with, I think she did have a chance to win, but her coaching staff, is horrific yeah because they've made her and amanda nunez said this after the fight uh they've made her believe she's a boxer and she's not yeah I mean, she's she can kick my ass boxing but i'm not fucking fighting but do you think like she really trained and she was like in oh the she mind- definitely trained she was in the mindset like i am gonna win this but her coach the the uh you know the glendale fighting uh gym yeah uh, They've led her to believe that you can box with a boxer. And it's yeah. just like, it's like telling Amanda Nunes, who's an amazing boxer, you're going to try and out judo Rousey. And nobody cares about Amanda Nunes just because Ronda Rousey was attractive. Had, Relatively. Not, yeah, not gorgeous, but ESPN, one of my problems with ESPN is they try to build. They try to brand things, you know, so they tried to brand Ronda Rousey as this like Mike Tyson mythical, you know, machine. Well, she was for a bit. I mean, you know, it's it's like Hollywood, the UFC. What have you done for me lately? Exactly. Uh, but without Ronda Rousey, there'd be no women's MMA. I mean, true. Uh, so, you know. Because the other options were uh, Gina Carano and and, yeah. and she I, was good, but she wasn't gonna dominate. Or bring it into like I mean, cyborg. I mean, she headlines pay per views. It's pretty amazing. Oh yeah, and big ones, not just yeah. like you know, like last night the UFC had a card in Phoenix. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was a decent card, but you yeah, know, it was clearly a. a, a b-level card sure uh she's headlining the, the, the major one major like over the super bowl weekend card and, and getting 60 dollars people to pay 60 bucks yeah i mean uh, she's uh but now that she's lost and lost two in a row and badly i mean she's also bad sport yeah well i kind of like that at least she's honest like yeah but i think that's bad for movies well, it's not if you're winning. Yeah. But, but, you know, you can be a complete, and uh, I hate to say this word in front of your lady. Yeah. You can be a complete cunt. Yeah. But if you're winning, it's part you, of the mystique. You can be one. Yeah. Uh, at the minute you start losing, it's like, oh, she's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought, like, if she lost to, like, humility, she could still, like, be likable for Hollywood. Uh, I don't know if uh, she would be. I mean, I don't think Hollywood wants a likable MMA chick. They want a twat. 
Okay. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I thought she was terrible in Entourage. Well, her acting's pretty stiff. Yeah. Uh, and no way could she have carried Roadhouse. Uh, they would have had Oh, to, my Lord. They would have had to put, like, fucking F. Murray Abram, De Niro, <laughs> Ray Liotta. They would have had to do what they did with Stallone in Copland. And he was terrible in that. I thought he was pretty good, to be honest with we, you. We tried to watch that the other day. and you're Copland? Wa- yeah, you're watching, like... Who's the guy in Goodfellas? Uh, well, you've got Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. I mean, just... Even, even the Terminator 2 guy was good in it. Like, he was good. Robert Patrick. He was great in it. Uh, uh, What's the guy in Goodfellas? I'm so... I've De Niro. Ray well, yeah, Liotta. Ray Liotta. Uh, yeah, De Niro was great. You blew it is like one of the great lines. She needs yeah. to grow off a little, a little weak. I mean, uh, she's all right. But, uh, you know, Stallone's great when he... Uh, you know, when he plays, he's obviously very, very smart. You make hundreds of millions. He's got to be worth like $300 million. Yeah. You make that kind of money acting, you're, you ain't stupid. He played it subtle. His character was really subtle in it. I think when he plays characters that he identifies with, he's awesome. Yeah. Like Rocky, he identifies Rocky with. was amazing. That's slow, dim-witted, you know, uh, Rambo, same thing. Right? Rambo, incredible. The first Rambo, John, especially. Oh, so good. Where he I know plays, every line. Brian Dennehy. Yeah. A young, uh, who is the red-haired guy? David Caruso. Him? Oh, yeah. He uh, was great in it. And uh, but then you know he loses it when he starts trying to do comedy and yeah like, stop or my mom will shoot or Oscar. And, we and, should uh, go through movies with Paige because I've shown her all these movies that we love and about twenty percent she likes and then the rest she can't she didn't get like like for instance you say slap shot one of the best of all time it's one of well it's a great sports movie now Paige, what is your uh i know you don't want to necessarily get in on this podcast but uh, just uh, for it's germane to the conversation like what is your favorite movie of all time oh god that's such a hard question talk closer i don't know i guess i know i don't know out of the movies maddie showed me i really liked goodfellas i really liked roadhouse roadhouse was awesome yeah um, but she didn't she didn't she liked uh, oh yeah she liked license to drive i'm not really a movie person i grew up in the netflix era i i watch tv shows okay sad by the way uh, Corey. uh industry she liked she it never really heard is. of Corey haim or Corey feldman Corey feldman was uh he was a judge recently on roast battle and like how do you live not knowing who Corey haim or Corey feldman is I know, but to us, you're just you're not born yet. You're not alive. <laughs> it's like James Vanderbeek. Yeah. Uh, do you know who James Vanderbeek is? I do. Could da- from Dawson's Creek. Yeah. So like someone who's born now is not going to know who James Vanderbeek is. That is true. Which is crazy. But I had to explain they were like so Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Like you do not know how big they were back in the day. Like you do not understand. Oh, they were the uh, I'm trying, like the Justin Bieber's of yeah. uh, of uh, you know yesteryear, and, and then I had to go through like the drugs and how they both got really into drugs, and then they probably raped. Yeah, like the which, whole pedophiles things. I yeah, mean, uh, Michael Jackson was uh, he was around uh, yeah. both those guys, but uh, Corey Feldman was awesome during roast battle. He got me oh, good, he is too. so funny. He got me. I forget what I said to him. I I said, hey, I've got a lot of money. 
Mr. Fellman, I'd like to personally uh, remake License to Drive. <laughs> and I think he thought I was giving him shit. But I, he said, yeah. well, I'd like to remake your mama. <laughs> oh, you know, he... Uh, I had no comeback for it. I, I think like, License uh, to Drive is a cl- it's just so well done. That's why I really was like th- throwing him a compliment. I know. And, and they should remake it. Well... Well, yeah, I mean, he, uh, I think he, he might have started, uh, you know, he disappeared during roast battle for a few minutes, and I think he might have been powdering his nose. Really? He still does it? Uh, you know, let's just say the first three or four battles, maybe the first hour of the show, he was great. I mean, yeah. uh, all the roasters are going at him, and he's, sure. he's killing everyone. Yeah, like, he's he, good. He's really fucking as crazy as he is. He's funny, like he's got oh, yeah. that mind. And then uh, let's just say his second half performance was a little. Uh, <laughs> he was he peaked early. Uh, you know what's interesting about him too is like, I want like you know how he has the whole Feldman's Angels or whatever he does with the girls and the lingerie, the singing, the band. He's got a band. Yeah, he's got the band, but he also has these lingerie parties at his house, and he uh, he was looking for interns, like. To, and he's like trying to teach girls how to be like his his whole world is absurd. And I was like gonna make fun of him on Twitter and like you know. And then yeah, I next I read like how you know him and Corey Hain were like destroyed by these older men. And I was like I can't make fun of him. Yeah. Like I feel bad. Well, yeah, I mean it's uh, you know I I've had a few experiences myself with Hollywood's casting couch. Uh, yeah. They, uh, I mean, I had one huge casting director. I mean, I, I, I don't even want to hint at where he worked because, uh, well, he's no longer with us anymore. But yeah. uh, he literally calls me into his office, and this guy was says, "You can't get any bigger than this." Sure. Guy. I mean, he, he, if I were to name the shows, he was the guy. On, yeah. People would know who he was, and uh, his office was like a condo. It's like he had a shower and a oh, bed boy. and like it was insane and uh he tried to show me his balls and I'm like what are you doing well, dude maybe that helped you get a roller i, like- I, I didn't get the part uh, <laughs> but i'm like what are you doing man he's like oh i ran a marathon yesterday my balls are bruised <laughs> and it's like come on man but it goes to show you like someone who's out here from the midwest or you know some yeah. local yokel from canada is like oh really let me take a look <laughs> well it's got to be so awful too i mean i've talked this you know girl comics in new york too cuz they're like oh my god this guy said i was so funny and he likes me so much and he's booking me on all his shows and then like a week two weeks later she'd be like hey that guy's not talking to me anymore it's so weird he won't put me on his shows i'm like well did he hit on you and they're like yeah and I'm like, well, did you say no? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, there's your answer. What's well, it's a fine line. I mean, as comics, we all fuck each other. Uh, yeah. I mean, for the most part. I mean, because that's all we're around. For sure. The, you know, uh, I'm not around girls with regular jobs. Well, nobody really gets it. I mean, well, pa- Paige, here's a little, I don't know, we got a little, we didn't get in a little fight, but like. It well, was, what do you do for, I mean, you don't have to tell me where you work, but like, what what is your uh, field of work? Um, I work. I work with young children. I'm getting my master's degree and hopefully my PhD in okay. childhood development and education. And how did you guys meet? The Hartford uh, Funny Bone. Oh, so you were there as a audience, audience member? member? Yeah, it was the only comedy show I've ever been to. Yeah. So, so she, she added me on Facebook, and 
you know, like, you know how you like, you're in another city and you get somebody from that city and on Facebook. Oh yeah. All the time. And I first thought she was a bot cause she was really pretty and it was just a, she has a really weird last name. So I was like, this has to be a bot. And then I was like, no, she was at the show. And I just, then I just harassed her until we started. I, we, it was long distance at first. Like I would go visit her and then she'd come here cause she lived in Connecticut but that's how we met. What part of Connecticut? At the time, I lived in Hartford. I worked in Hartford. I have a lot of family in Greenwich. Yeah, so I was telling her about it before the show. Who are familiar with my family? Yeah, yeah I was telling her about it, but you know. And uh, one of my favorite guitar players of all time, the uh, I think Vinnie Vincent was uh, from New Haven, Connecticut. That's where my my mom is from New Haven too, home of the uh, New Haven Nighthawks. Night uh, and I have I used to go to Nighthawk games as a kid. Okay. Those are the first hockey game I ever went to was New Haven Nighthawks. I got a great story. My dad at the time would take me and they remember the Whalers, of course. Oh, yes. The biggest mistake of my life I ever made, Earl. I must have been 11. And my dad was like, we can go to the Nighthawk game, but Wayne Gretzky is playing in Hartford tonight with the Whalers. And it's, it's like an hour drive. So you can make your decision what you want to do tonight. And I chose the Nighthawks for some reason. I was like, I love the Nighthawks. And I could have seen Wayne Gretzky play on the Oilers. Well, I was lucky enough to see uh, him play many times. And, uh, on the Kings. Uh, well, I saw him play a, few, a lot on the Oilers. And, uh, and then we uh, traded for him. I remember where I was when the... the Gretzky trade was announced. I was on the corner of yeah. uh, Pico and Overland. You must have been so excited. I ran. I got out of my car and ran around the car. Like I was like, "Oh my god, we got Wayne Gretzky! Oh my god, we got Wayne Gretzky!" Yeah. And uh, and then uh, you know we came close to the cup in '93. I remember that against the the Canadians. And now uh, we have two cups uh, yeah. ourselves. A great great franchise. Oh, it's it is now. I mean, which goes to show you the Rams can be good again. I yep. mean, the Kings, you can't get any worse a franchise than the Kings hockey at certain points. I, I, I agree. Uh, you but know. I was gonna say, getting back to like about being a comedian. So we were we were gonna have a date, like a special date night, you know. And I got a call from a comedy club that's pretty big. That's like you want to do a show that night, and I'm like, I gotta take the show, you know. And it was, there was some, not heated moments, but you know, like a little, you know, disappointment, but like, I mean, that's the life we live, unfortunately, that we ha always have to take those opportunities. Well, yeah. And that's uh, why sometimes I think comics should only date comics because we get like, Hey, we got a date tonight. Uh, I just got a call from the improv. Uh, yeah. Sorry, baby. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a very selfish business. So someone outside that might not uh, understand, or they might. You yeah. Know? Uh, I had a girlfriend of six years. Every show she went to, literally, every, yeah, didn't miss a show. In six and she years. wasn't a comedian. No, she was in the music business. That's and, awesome. Uh, oh, she was awesome. I mean, Paige loves going to comedy. It's just you know. Sometimes, like, I know it's harder to be a female comedian because I've had them tell me, like, they date guys and the guys, like, it's just a hobby or, like, what, you know, really, that's what you're going to do all Friday night is hang out till 2 in the morning to get up for, like, five minutes somewhere. I mean, it's probably harder for them than men. Well, I would say with female comics, it's tough because, you know, if they're dating... Uh... <clears throat> 
you know, another comic, uh, other male comics are like, well, she's fucking Earl, she'll fuck me. And then it's like a whole like. Yeah, I'm sure you It's crazy that. that that's, the, but that's, I, I saw it with uh, my last three girlfriends who yeah. were comics. Uh, I mean, they're slobs and, uh, well, I, you know, I have a girl who talks to me who's in comedy and she kind of comes to me for advice and she'll complain about how a certain girl is only getting stuff because she's fucking the booker somewhere that happens too. And she's not, and she doesn't know what to do. Not that she wants to, but she finds it really unfair and she doesn't know what to do. And welcome to Hollywood kid. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, you can't compete. Don't compete against yourself. Don't compete against this other girl. You know, I mean, you can't worry about what other people get or how they get it. Uh, You know, you'll, you'll go fucking mad. I mean, you'll you'll be suicidal. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's like, uh, I'm sure people were upset that I was on, uh, Roast Battle Season 1, even though I'm not a, necessarily a roaster. Uh, oh, you're great at what you do. But though. I'm not like, you know, there's other people who are pure roasters. Sure. Do you need the bathroom? Uh, it's uh, right over there. Um, and I think there's toilet paper. I'm praying yeah. there is. Um, but, uh, you know, there's and then, you know, Season 2 is this weekend. Uh, are you on it, Season 2? I am not. Uh, uh-huh. As a roaster, they didn't bring back many people from Season 1. Uh-huh. I think they wanted fresh faces. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there'll be a Season 3. And, yeah. uh, you know, who knows? I uh, mean, I think what you do is something totally different than what most people do. And it's kind of a throwback to what comedy kind of once was. Well, a lot of people think what I do is cheating. I know. Uh, no. Well, I mean, there's really two roasters, at least in L.A., that have uh, flamboyant entrances, and that's yeah. uh, me and Alex Hooper, uh-huh. who is the champ. Yeah. Uh, and it it's almost, uh, you know, when I go out there, I'm going up against someone who's written anywhere from five to ten jokes about Earl Skakel. Yeah. But when I'm on that stage, I'm not Earl Skakel. I'm... You know, uh, character, character, a Rick Rude esque uh, yeah. type of uh, you know thing, and uh, same thing with Alex Hooper. Hooper's even more a character than I am. Yeah. So the jokes that uh, you know, say Pat Barker wrote against uh, Hooper, they they don't necessarily work because you know it's not Alex Hooper up there. Sure, sure. So some people don't like that, and I get it. But it's how I do it. It's how Hooper does it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's always, with success, there's always critics. It's like you were you posted, uh, somebody wrote something kind of mean about you. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I'm like, wow, Earl's made it. That's can, the way I look at it. You fucking made it. Can when I you, read the review? Yeah. When you have people obsessing over you like that, you have fucking made it. Now, I have never, uh, I can't say the N-word. Um, I think it's the worst word. And on MLK Day. Yeah, I yeah, definitely can't say it. Yeah. On, I mean, I want to because it's, it, it just goes to show you how you shouldn't listen to online reviews. I really wish I had a black friend in here right now who could say the N-word. Is the, did the me. person write the N-word in the review? Yeah, so I'm going to read this review, and instead of saying the N-word, I'm going to say the word bigger, bigger. So, uh, for some reason, uh, I, I decided to Google Earl Skakel com Earl Skakel roast battle. Yeah. Big mistake. Never, 
As great as Brain Humor was, I'm sure there's a review out there that says Brain Humor is the worst written book I, I've ever read. I will, before you read it, I will say this guy on my YouTube used to just go after every video I did a stand-up like I sucked and people only laugh because I look retarded or just feeling sorry for him. And what made me feel better is I went to his YouTube page and I was going to like, you know, go after him. And then I saw what he was into and he was into like the, the video game where you just shoot gun, like, you know, the awful computer game where you just like in a room and you shoot guns and stuff. I only play the sports game. Yeah. So it's just these awful, like, sad pathetic like video games that he was playing that he he had videos of people playing video games and i'm like you know what i feel bad for this guy like you know well i mean i, I i've heard of reddit but this was written on something called subreddit which i don't know what that uh -huh. is uh and he's he's an opie and anthony fan which automatically scares me yeah those but. guys are very right and he right wing started this thread that said is earl skakel funny i've never heard of him till roast battle and he rubs me the wrong way comes off like a rich la douche that hangs out at the comedy store nonstop because he doesn't have to support himself making connections and then just acts like the outrageous guy that takes his clothes off and yells bigger and faggot I also found it odd that he lost all three of his battles, but yet somehow still ended up in third place. I'm open to the possibility that this guy actually rules and I'm wrong, but I'd much rather have people in the know come here and justify my thoughts. And then there's 33 comments that I will not read. I'm not. Are no they way. all positive? Oh, I didn't read them. I don't okay. want to know. Does this uh, really, can I be on, ask you a serious, does, sure. this, does this really hurt your feelings? Um, you know, a year ago it would have, uh, but when you, I think realize apparently subreddit is a hundred times worse than Reddit. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, not too much. I mean, although I will say the first half of that review kind of nailed me outside the N word. But it's thing. your character. They're yeah. like nailing your character, which is kind of weird. I but mean, that just goes to show you how like keyboard warriors, this guy doesn't know me. Yeah. Uh, why would he even think I would say the N word and faggot? Like, I think he probably won. A lot of times I've had girls call me like creeps or creepy or something. And I once told this girl, I was like, what is your fucking problem? And then she's like, I actually think you're cute. So I think in a weird way there, he's probably infatuated with you a little. He probably wishes he could be your friend. I mean, there's a lot of weird feelings for why somebody would, you know, spend like three paragraphs to write that, you know? I, yeah, also, I, mean, I also think you've made it in the sense, like, once you start getting negative, like, you know, there, there's haters, then you've made it. It's like The Sopranos is one of the greatest shows ever. And they can make like a, a weird final ending. And then people could be like, it sucked. It was the worst fucking thing ever. And they have no idea what it took to like make that show. Or like they don't understand like you go out every night like grinding, like writing new stuff, dealing with like girl hecklers, how hard you work at this. And I guess they never will. And that's like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the roast battle uh, and, and comedy as well. But like, you know, like uh, for my battle with Olivia Grace, uh, I had 400. And, I wrote 406 jokes. 
I mean, also too, like we did the Iron Sheik roast, and like you did all kind of ravishing Rick Rude character. Like I had to do two characters. Your night. your persona, like what you did that night to get like four hundred people, like to laugh at the right time, to have the timing, to have the confidence, to have to execute it. Like I, I don't think people understand. I mean, for anybody who's doing it, like I don't think you know. There's gonna be trolls out there, and that's the way the world works with the internet. But like I, you know, obviously he does understand how much time and effort oh, you yeah. put I mean, into every little timing. It's not like you just put on clothes and you show up at the comedy store and you goof around. Yeah, it's not improv. Uh, you know, I mean, for the Montreal roast battle, I mean, it was, you know, we had to write uh, four battles in five days. That's not easy. That's it's not. You know, usually for one battle, uh, I take probably a month or two to write. Yeah couple you know at least 100 sure. jokes but uh you know for montreal it was insane i mean because it wasn't just four battles in five days it was four battles against fucking really good comics. four amazing i know, mean mike lawrence uh, mike lawrence good. won it he's a killer uh, yeah you know i had to battle uh tom ballard an australian comic who's I like i don't know him he's amazing yeah he's like so funny and then uh, jimmy carr who at the time who's was like the uh, champ. been doing it for like 30 years yeah i mean jimmy carr's like he's like next level and then yeah. uh sarah tiana who beat me she's very good she's yeah. great and then uh yeah. probably the win my the win i'm most proud of of any roasting win was uh being incredibly lucky enough to beat k trevor wilson in canada because he's like a canadian i don't legend. know him I he's will. amazing yeah like he just looks at you and i mean i i would take this uh, i know this is really weird at this time but i would take this note as a compliment you know just like you've arrived that people are starting to like spend time to talk shit about you this is like the next step because everybody gets like you know Tiger Woods can win the fucking Masters by 40 strokes and there's some asshole on the computer like he's overrated or, you know, and that's that's when you know you made it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure with brain humor, you got bad reviews. I never, I didn't really get bad reviews because I think this the subject was, was sensitive in the sense it was about Angelo and about my stuff, but like stand-up, I've certainly had a lot of haters on YouTube and... Yeah, there's, you know, I mean, what you do is, like, people are going to get it or they're not going to get it. I did a thing with Dwayne Wade where I, like, did a whole commercial thing with him, and there were some haters, like, this sucks, this was lame. And that, like, hurt my feelings at first. It, it definitely gets to you, but it also, I've had enough people tell me, like, you know, this is part of the game, you got to deal with it, and if they're hating on you, they're probably, you're, you're doing something right. Well, I think most haters are just jealous. They're not doing what you're yeah. doing. Like we've got the balls to. I mean, do it. Yeah, I'm sure the guy who wrote that, and I'm sure he's anonymous. I'm sure he would kill to do what you're doing. Like he would do anything to have your opportunity, and he probably doesn't have the courage to do it. So instead, it's a lot easier to sit behind a computer and be an asshole. Well, but uh, you know, I troll every now and then too. I troll Bill Cosby. I was trying to get Bill Cosby to block me on Twitter for a well, long time. Well, Bill Cosby, he is, did though. I'm he's kind of, he's kind of a you he's know a rapist. needs to be trolled. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm blocked on Twitter by two people: uh, Bill Cosby and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So. Why did uh, Steve Austin block you? 
Well, because he had a beef with Rowdy uh, Roddy oh. Piper, and uh, I think I went on uh, Roddy's podcast and said something to the effect of why is Stone Cold such an asshole? His gimmick was crushing beer cans over his head. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, if that's your gimmick, then you can have a sense of humor. Uh, Bobby know. Blotzer and Steve Austin. Well, Blotzer hasn't blocked me yet. Maybe so. Blotzer wrote that. He probably did. I mean, I, I uh, you know, when I saw the n-word part i was like okay what comic friend of mine you know, did this you know what's interesting about blotzer is in his book too because i read a little of it tales from a rat he does write a lot of weird racist stuff in it well you know i think uh he he's uh i, I forget where he's from pennsylvania uh, well yeah i mean pennsylvania's yeah the, i used to date a girl from doylestown and uh yeah that's a different place that's uh it's different. Uh, it's Doylestown. Uh, would, it's pretty racist. Would you say Rat is your number one band, or is it? Kiss? Say Rat and Kiss to Kiss. tie. Yeah. Uh, but I don't like just non, or I I I don't like just metal. Uh, you know, like yeah. I, I love. Uh, there's a boy band out of Boston that I don't know how this band didn't get bigger. Uh, called the Click Five. The Click Five or the Click Five? The Click. Five. Oh, did they have that song that's kind of really poppy? Uh, they had a few. They had, uh, I think, Just a Girl was like a big poppy hit. And there was uh, another video that was they were like kind of running around and there was one girl in it or something. Um, Maybe I'm They not. had Jenny. I, I mean, they had a few minor hits, and then, yeah. uh, but they all played their own instruments. You know, they yeah, I remember like, them. You know, they were dressed like the Beatles. Yep. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Paul Stanley from Kiss wrote a song for really? them. Really? Uh, called uh, Angel and You a Devil and Me. And, Interesting. Uh, Elliot Easton from The Cars did the guitar solo. So they were like, you know, they were uh, in mid 2000s. They were like a. Yeah, pop. I remember them. I remember their once they had that single. I, I can't. I'm going to look it up when we're done. Well, I just like that they played their own instruments. Like they weren't like. They weren't like the stereotypical boy band who, you know, just did dance moves and, and poppy songs. They did all that and played instruments. Yeah. And they were good. I always found that one guy to be really creepy. The old guy that would f put together the bands. Oh, uh, Perlman. Like yeah, I think he died. Perlman. Yeah, died of guilt, probably. Yeah. I uh, mean, his whole life was getting, like, little young boys together and then, like, getting them out on stage and, like, a little weird. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I mean, pedophiles. Uh, I mean, you think about it, the music industry is the hot stars are always the younger kids. And, yeah, you know, I can imagine what you know people like, whether you're a girl or guy. Christina Aguilera was promised, and Britney, and sure. I mean, Pink. I can imagine when he saw like Justin Timberlake, like oh my god, ten years old. Oh my god, he must have been salivating. Control. I mean, uh, I saw a comic at the store who's. Uh, I won't say his name, but he's known for his love of young boys. And, oh, boy. oh, I know what you're talking about. I, I don't want to say his name. I don't. Want to he's been sued. around for a hundred years, right? Uh, no, no, it's not. It's not who you think. He's, he, you know, he was never really that big, but he was yeah. like in the oh. '80s. He was fairly big. I know two guys. I know one who's very large. No, it's not him. I know one who's. But we dead. won't. Let's not go into. Uh, I, I don't know. want to get sued. Uh, but he saw. Uh, Brendan Biddlecombe, who is like a young whippersnapper, young, great looking dude. He looks like he's 12. Great yeah. comic, awesome sure. comic, and an even better person. Yeah. Uh, he saw Biddlecombe and he literally stopped and started drooling. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that before. There's a few guys, I won't say anything, but I've like, I'm like, oh, those two guys are hanging out. And 
oh, I get it. One's 50 and the other one's 24. Well, I don't... uh, What's that big of a deal? I mean, you know, the age difference is... uh, True. You're right. You're right. I mean... The age difference is not the thing. It's the uh, To me, it's not. I mean, it was never... like when I would uh, take this girl to like Alice Cooper, she knew all the words to her songs. And I was like, what song is this? So. Yeah. That's the one problem where music, she hates all the bands I like. But see, that was the cool thing about me and this girl. She loved all Metal the bands that I, uh, or I shouldn't, she didn't like rat or kiss. And, uh, that's got, where she draw the line. Well, we got into an argument about, uh, Lou Reed. Like she likes Lou Reed, you know, his, you know, uh, the Velvet Underground stuff. And then I liked that one song he did, I Love You, Suzanne, which was Lou Reed totally selling out. Just yeah. Trying sure. to get that pop hit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm going to say the Velvet Underground were a little overrated. Well, don't tell that to this girl who you know. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Some problems. Uh, I'm behind the eight ball uh, enough with her as it is. Yeah. Uh, now, we, she doesn't get any of that. My favorite band is this band called The Replacements. Right. Which I have a story in the book. I met the lead singer when they opened up for Tom Petty. And in the new book. Yeah. So I met him. His name is Paul Westerberg. And I met him at uh, in Middletown, New York. Like his bus was stuck and he came out to talk to me and a friend. Like we were like jumping outside the bus. Right. And it was very depressing. He was very drunk and really depressed. And he just told me to stay in school, which I was really bummed about. Because I wanted him to be like, you know, like, go for your dreams, rock and roll. But he was just like so sad. And he was just like, stay in school. Like, don't do this. And uh, I was bummed about that. But I try to get her into them and she just doesn't get it. Well, I mean, it's just a different era. Like, I don't get the music today. Like, yeah, uh, I mean... I think the last band, new band I got into was fucking Weezer. Yeah, uh, we like Weezer. She likes uh, the Strokes. Uh, or uh, who else? Uh, Green Day, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, but that's hardly a new band. No. I mean, they've been around for what, 20, 25 yeah, years? Yeah, they're not even. Uh, I mean, Weezer's like. Uh, although, when I went to see Weezer recently, some band Panic at a Disco. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the opening act, and they were they were cool. Yeah, they have that song. Uh, I I can't. They had the one hit. I mean, the yeah, whole the crowd was singing their songs. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh. And I that was a good odd pairing. I thought. Sure. But uh, we Weezer was great. After I thought they would have trouble following them because Panic at a Disco that they crushed it. The singers like doing backflips off the drum riser mm. and. Uh, He's a great front man. Vegas, I think they're from Vegas, and Vegas actually has a good little music scene with them, and uh, the Killers are from Vegas. What's funny, Vegas is where a lot of the metal guys go. Uh, you know, there's a metal scene there, if you will, like uh, where they can play and just zone out. Yeah, like the whole 80s retro thing. Yeah, and I think uh, there's one casino that they do... Uh, the whole it's not steel panther but like yeah it's actual guys who are in the bands they, that's uh, all like karaoke jam so uh vegas is a hat i I've, can't i don't like vegas what's myself. the oklahoma what's the oklahoma festival? rocklahoma yeah rocklahoma have you gone to that i went to the first year because i knew that the first year would be the best yeah because they'd be bands like rat and twisted sister and yep. y&t and black and blue they'd be psyched to be in front of a fucking crowd again of course yeah and then i thought uh, each year after they're going to want more money because they're going to 
think, oh my God, we can draw crowds again. Yeah. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, some guy just got hit in the face. We're uh, watching the King game on mute, and uh, Nick Dow just took a puck to the face, and it ain't pretty. One of my favorite interviews, by the way, he did was Dustin Penner. Dustin Penner was Which I found to be heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Literally on my screen right now, uh, we're watching a player. He's probably just lost three or four teeth right now. I've always also started to jump. The things I've always wanted to talk to you about, the Quiet Riot documentary, which I have mixed feelings. The Frankie Benelli one, did you see that one? Uh, well, yeah, it was. Uh, well, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? I thought it was okay. A little long, I thought. Well, I just find that there's this debate, like, is it right for him to carry on the name? I mean, I think it is because it's like, what's he supposed to do? Not drum anymore? Like, yeah, it's kind of like the dude's got to live, make a living, you know? Like, he's got to make a I living. I mean, the singer died. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know. It's uh, amazing how they were finding singers, though. That I found fascinating. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. I, I thought they were kind of unfair to the first guy. Oh, know? they were terrible to him. Uh, Mark Huff. You know, they oh, only did guy. like fucking 39 shows in two and a half years. So he yeah. was not. Uh, well, that's a fresh. You, well, so what do you expect when you hire a, a guy who paints houses? No offense. I mean, like, you, you're not going to get like a, an amazing front man. The guy just like finished up a job shingling a roof, and now you want him to like be the fucking singer of like a charismatic band. And, and whether you like Kevin Dubrow or not, the dude was charismatic. Well, he did sing uh, this guy, Markov. Uh, yeah. He did. Uh, he just couldn't remember the lyrics and he, he just had no moves on stage. Well, that's a big problem if you can't remember the words to come on Feel the Noise, uh, <laughs> which is like their big hit. One uh, of the great scenes in the movie is when Kevin Dubrow, I mean, uh, Benelli was like, my grandma knows the fucking lyrics. This guy forgets. Come on, Feel the Noise. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I thought. Uh, after a while, it kind of became the Frankie Benali documentary. Yeah, well, his wife did it. Yeah, oh, no, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I mean, yeah. he, you know, I, they had a uh, Kickstarter. How it got started was, uh, or how it got made was on Kickstarter. and uh, That's awesome, because it made it to Showtime, and it was well done. Yeah, I mean, it was very well done, and uh, I've told the story before, but... You know, on Kickstarter, you, the more you give, you get prizes. You know, like if you gave $100, you would get like a drumstick. Uh -huh. If you uh, gave like $500, you got like an autograph, I don't know, uh, copy of the script or whatever. And for $10,000, you could actually be in the fucking documentary. And I, I, that's the main reason I watched it originally because I wanted to see what, cause, and you saw that one person donated the 10 grand. And he was the singer. No, it was no, the joking. lawyer. It's about the guy had all the quiet riot. Yeah. Well, like, he oh. should be in it because he's the he's probably their number one fan. Yeah, but he probably could have gotten in for free. Just I know. like, hey guys, I'm a super fan. It'd be cool to interview me. That poor guy. So I wanted to do a, a Kickstarter on that guy. Do a documentary about him. You should. I mean, he had, probably has like a weird life. Like, what does he talk to people at work about? Yeah. Uh probably yeah. uh uh, the lawsuits of all these metal bands that are going on right now. I mean, you know. These so all these metal bands are suing each other for the rights and the money. And well, they don't want to tour under the rights of the name. Like, yeah. you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, Quiet Riots had literally probably 30, 40 members. Yeah. So you take a guy like, say, uh, Paul Shorentino. Yeah. Who was the singer in Rough Cut. Uh -huh. And uh, he was the singer on the one Quiet Riot, Riot album QR3. 
Was that with Randy Rhodes or was that after? No, no, that was like in the mid. That was after they had fired Dubrow. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, that was not a good album. But like he could technically probably tour and then the advertisement say Paul Shorentino from Quiet Riot. Yeah. Which is, I guess, somewhat true, but not really. And he can do like come on, feel the noise and not yeah. feel guilt about it. So, uh, you know, that's probably where this quiet. They were my favorite band like when I was super suit, like eight or nine, ten years old. They were my favorite band. Uh, I remember being at a roller rink and I would go to the DJ and request come on, feel the noise. And the guy would be like, yeah, 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 we'll play it. <laughs> and then you just hear that drum like the dooch. And then I would just like get on the floor and just start roller skating. And it was like one of the most exciting moments of my life. I can still remember it. Well, I mean, a lot of people forget how big they were back in the early 80s. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were seen in LA anyway as Van Halen's competition, which yeah. is crazy to say that because you think, well, Van Halen went on to sell 100 million yeah. records. Yeah. Well, quite right. Didn't they had a very limited sound where they just couldn't take it to the next level well and their only two hits were or cover Slade. songs yeah Slade uh, Mama We're All Crazy Now and uh, and uh, Kevin Dubrow the singer rest in peace uh, was a real jerk yeah he burned a lot of bridges and no another one. Jew yeah well you know uh, should have done something with that hair thing uh, saying all every man sucks and they're the best and which uh, just you know record companies aren't going to work with you and uh, one can say he was the Kanye West of his yeah. time yeah but uh, Kanye West is selling product, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, Quiet Riot's. Uh, God, I could talk to you about this shit for hours. I hope it's, I hope people find it interesting. Oh yeah, I mean, well, it is such an interesting uh, time frame for music and yeah. movies, and, oh. and we could talk for hours. And you'll come back for more. I, I mean, should just write my next book just about the '80s. You should. I, it'd be a big. Uh, you know, uh, be a big hit. I mean, people love going back in time and. You know, whether it be the 80s, the 70s. Uh, yeah, I, I miss the 70s, but the 80s is just like, I don't know. The well, 90s kind of suck. I never, I found Nirvana to be overrated. They were okay. I mean, uh, they just, I think it was perfect timing for them. They yeah. just, you know, the hair metal thing was just dead. Yeah, and uh, all, all the hair metal bands blame Nirvana. Yeah, I think the kids wanted, uh, you know, something just different different yeah nirvana just was there i mean you literally on mtv went from the cherry pie video to yep. smells like teenage spirit and that was it for for uh warrant oh, it's done it's over i All used to love stuff. 17 by warrant no that was by winger winger, winger. yeah winger. yeah yeah, uh, she's only seven. Daddy's little girl, old enough to do ya. I mean, yeah. that was crazy. I don't think they could do that song anymore. Uh, not unless it's uh, in Sandusky's basement. Uh, <laughs> probably not. But me, it's crazy. A song like that was a hit. Me and my buddy, we used to watch that video, and we're like, Kip Winger never plays the bass in that video. He's too busy uh, doing ballet moves. Man. Yeah. Uh, but he's a great bass player. Like, but he never plays the bass in the video. He yeah. was the hunk. Oh yeah, I mean, the, and Winger was actually quite talented. Like, yeah, you know, their uh, drummer Rod Morgenstein. Uh, that sounds Jewish. Uh, yeah, he's he probably kept the publishing going, uh, <laughs> but like he's a great fusion drummer, and and Red Beach was an amazing. Uh, is an amazing guitar player so like they never got the credit for being such good musicians but uh you know they're still uh kicking around 
Wow, they still tour. Well, it's so hard for a band like that to make money these days. You can't release new music. They just got to go on festival circuit. Yeah, you got to like tour with, you know, uh, packages, you know, Winger, Night Ranger, Tesla, and yeah. whoever. And, uh, you know, uh, cash in on that retro market. I mean, that's what Rocklahoma does. That's, yeah, get the few paydays a year. And that's what sucks. Even if Bobby Blotzer, I don't know if he's a jerk or not, but like, I think he is. I mean, he was basically saying on that show, was like, I got a few more years left to make a little money in the, in the name of Rat, you know? And Well, he's right there. And if he doesn't make it, he doesn't make it, but he fucked up whatever he did. He probably should have never started that other band. Well, no one wants to see Bobby Blotzer's Rat experience. I mean... No, it's a joke. And, and the fact that in his mind, well, I got a guy who can sing the songs in key. People want to hear Piercy sing it. Yeah. Uh, they want to hear Martini on guitar, Juan on bass, and then... Uh, so Juan know. still plays with them? Uh, he does now. You know, so. like the great thing in the book, The Dirt, which I think is the best book ever written. In my it opinion. is. When they fired Vince Neal and then they their tour went from like twenty thousand to ten thousand to five thousand to two hundred. Yeah, they had the uh, great John Karabi. You see the 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 power of the lead singer, and they were like, "This is our best album. This is musically our best album." This like with John Karabi, we do all this like jamming blues shit. Nobody cares. Nobody gave a fuck. They, they just wanted the hits. Yeah, you know, it's like Paul they, Stanley. Yep. You know, he can't really sing that well anymore, but I don't want to hear anyone else sing Kiss songs. David yeah. Lee Roth, he doesn't even sing anymore. He oh, he like, can't sing for shit. He does like spoken word. Oh, it's great. The, when I, I watched the Jimmy Kimmel stuff when they did the, the show, right? and I'm like, he didn't even sing. He just talks. They're like, was it hot for teacher? He's like, you know, uh, it's a... Uh, and you're just like, wow, he's just like... It's over, he's, Johnny. He's he's faking it. He's faking it all the way. It's great. I don't think he's faking it. I just don't think he can do it. No, he can't, but he, he hides it by jumping and doing spoken word. So, well, I don't want to end the podcast talking about Winger. That'll definitely... Uh, that's a ratings... That that's one. a ratings <laughs> death knell. Uh, where, what's next for Maddie Goldberg? What's the next book? All right, the next... Here's the next thing. I'm going to still do some stand-up. I still got that going down. So, like, you can catch me at your local uh, tavern or comedy club. I, the Ice House books me a lot. So, look at the Ice House. Uh, the book, the new book is called No IQ, and it's funny, 10 essays. It's kind of like brain humor, but not as sad. Um, so, you can get that at mattygoldberg.com or Amazon. If you get it on my website, I'll sign it. But I was really thinking my next thing is I want to do something with the Battle of the Bands and maybe write like some sort of movie or TV show about my essay because it's like there's a punk band, there's a there's an all-girl boy band, there's an 80s metal band, and there's a hippie band. And we're like we're all fighting for like that kind of control of the high school, you know? And I think there's something interesting there. Well, so, you're a great writer, so thanks. definitely uh, something interesting there. But check out the book for sure, and I love Earl, and that guy who wrote that thing is a fucking idiot, because I find you hysterical, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that to bullshit you. Well, thank you, and where can people find you on Twitter and oh, Instagram? okay, really bad, Matty Goldberg 1, at Matty Goldberg 1 on Twitter. That's the number one. Yeah, like, I, I, I was not very creative when I made my handle. It's all good. And just Maddie Goldberg on Instagram, and you tagged me a bunch of times already. So 
I found a lot of people that like I was on the first time that found me through you, and that, they always said really kind things to me. Oh, my fans are the fucking best. Yeah, really sweet. They also love like just interesting shit, like podcasts, and you know, I'm, they're, I'm, they're a little overindulgent sometimes. You know, yeah. they'll leave a review on iTunes saying, "Oh, Earl Skakel's the greatest comic of all time." It's like let's play it cool. Though. I mean, let's not. Fucking... I take that over the other thing. Yeah, well, it's definitely better than being uh, called a racist and a homophobe. I mean, I'll say this. Uh, the one thing about like me is like I don't really talk. I can talk about myself, but like with you, for some reason, things that I find fascinating that nobody else does, like 80s metal and shit like that. Like I love that shit. And nobody, there's a very small people that are into that so i just like end up talking to you about that which is awesome well it's just uh you know forgotten time era and uh try and keep it going and uh speaking of keeping that era going Stephen piercy of rat will be back i think this week maybe i will be listening i he, can't he's the best you know yeah he seems like he has a really great sense of humor about everything and well he, he gets it it's yeah like, you know it's you know, he, he lived a great life, sold millions of records. And good for him for coming out of it because, like, a lot of these guys don't come out of it okay, you know? Well, he's smart in the sense that he, he's got his own record label. He, he puts out, you know, uh, solo CDs of his uh, band. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that he probably makes, uh, you know, more money that way than being with an actual record label. Of course, yeah. Uh, he, he makes 100% of the profit. That's what I do in my books. Like, I went my self-publishing because the first book brain humor i didn't do a good deal and i make a lot more money doing it myself so the right yeah. way to go it's the way to do it so uh guys check out uh do you want to give your uh, twitter out there yeah i, I don't no. blame you there's gonna be a lot of dudes <laughs> yeah yeah you're right if, the, if, they, if she's Scratch with matt if she's with maddie goldberg she'll she'll definitely do every other guy out there right that's how it is yeah these, these la comics are unbelievable yeah, yeah. But uh, luckily, uh, my last lady friend told me about all the slobs who were picking up on her. See, I think everybody hits on her and she says I'm crazy, but whatever. Yeah. So check out Matty Goldberg. He's a good dude. Brain humor. Check that book out, too. It was the first book. And then his new books, Hot Off the Charts. No IQ. No IQ. And I will definitely get you a signed copy. Absolutely. And uh, this has been Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave a review on iTunes. And, uh, you know, uh, this week, Stephen Piercy. And then uh, watch Roast Battle this weekend on Comedy Central. It's uh, the season two. The tournament starts. It's the best of uh, New York comics, L.A. comics. I think a few from Atlanta and Denver as well. It's, it's a great show. And uh, so thanks to jeff ross and brian moses for keeping that gravy train going because that is the gift that keeps on giving to me so i'll see you guys later this week yeah.